This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I've never been so proud of a team before. Um, from start to finish, we gave our all... Uh, like I, I just when I scored, I thought we might even have a chance here. Um. Welcome to the My Own Man Said podcast, the Aston Villa podcast that doesn't cover the first team anymore because they're not allowed to play. The Aston Villa podcast that's probably older than any of the Villa players that played Liverpool in the FA Cup. Joining me to discuss that game and much, much more, Mr. Phil Shaw, welcome back. Hello. And Mr. Chris Bird, welcome. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. I've, I forgot to introduce myself though. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOnMansSaid.com. How are you guys? I'm not bad. Not I'm bad. free. I'm I'm freezing. It's <laughs> the coldest weather we've had over here in ten years. Lockdown and freeze. It's about minus eight or nine uh, where where you are, aren't you? Yeah. The thing about podcasts per se is when people say, you know, hello, how are you? And it's that kind of uh, token gesture. Mentioning being, being freezing, uh, it reminds me of the best answer to that, how are you doing? I've probably witnessed personally was uh, was in Berlin for the Berlin Film Festival in, in the hotel, the Hotel Adelon. I was there at like half nine in the morning to do some interviews with actors or, or whatever. Hotel Adelon is the, the hotel where Michael Jackson dangled that baby out of and uh, it overlooks the Brandenburg Gate. You know, Hitler used to stay there and all that kind of stuff. But uh, anyway, I met my uh, friends, these two Croatian uh, girls who were TV presenters and they're in the smoking room in this hotel uh, having a cigarette about half nine in the morning. And uh, Christopher Lee was there. Or the late Christopher Lee, should I say, famous for Dracula in the Hammer horror films. He was a Bond villain, was he not? Scaramanga, wasn't he? Scaramanga. He was the man with the golden gun. Him of three nipples. Indeed. And then Lord of the Rings. Saruman. Saruman in the Lord of the Rings. (laughs) Sorry? Very niche. What a niche show. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well it's a christopher lee special but uh but anyway he was he was sitting there so it's half nine in the morning and uh this waitress comes in a hotel waitress she goes oh good morning sir how are you today and you know he's what is he mid 80s at that time he, he just turns to her and goes well i'm alive and she says uh oh uh oh uh what what, what can i get you for uh, uh breakfast we've got fresh pressed orange we've got coffee and he says, what beers do you have? <laughs> <laughs> I 
And I thought that must be the secret to uh, longevity. But I just love that, well, I'm alive. And I think that's how people should answer that question. How are you uh, considering uh, freezing cold? And obviously, uh, most of us are in lockdown as well. What a start to a podcast. Villa youngsters (laughs) dangling babies off hotel balconies. And Christopher Lee. Yeah. Eclectic. Dracula and Scaramanga and Saruman. Louis Barry, the man with the golden gun. (laughs) And Count Dooku. Don't forget his Star Wars. Yeah, Count Dooku as well. Yeah, forgot about that. Many, many many other roles. Anyway, uh, let's try to get back into the flow coming up. We obviously will discuss... uh, There's two ways of looking at that FA Cup game. It's a game which uh, just the principle of the, uh, the thing after Aston Villa had a COVID outbreak was a bit dubious to continue to play that game. Also, uh, what a game it was for those youngsters. Everybody that played in that game was making their Villa debut. I think that's 16 debuts in total. Last time that happened was the first ever game Villa played in their history. So it's been a crazy, crazy week. Yeah, absolutely. We'll uh, look at that and then uh, get through the uh, Villa news. Then the three points, which uh, take us into uh, teams and managers breaking their losing streaks and also the twerp in Antwerp. And then uh, we will finish off with uh, relating it to the youthful tone of this uh, show. There's not going to be any swearing in this episode, purposely, out of a mark of respect to the Villa youth players that... uh, This is a PG podcast. We're so gallant against Liverpool, but we'll end uh, with over or underrated by looking back at those mystical brothers, Stefan and Luke Moore, who went from Youth Cup winning glory to uh, careers that you know perhaps uh, didn't uh, continue as they uh, started, shall we say. Right, let's crack into it. Uh, Villa News first up. Big one, obviously the major COVID outbreak. Nine players out of 14 people that tested positive, the others uh, being staff. At this point of time, no names have been mentioned. Uh, I mean, you can throw out conspiracy theories about uh, hamstring injuries that haven't been recovered from or hamstring injuries that suddenly appeared in training. That might be a a part of why they are out, uh, mentioning no names. Who knows? But uh, it's it's, it's a serious matter. I mean, uh, we can talk about it a little bit uh, later on in the Liverpool game, but I bet here it throws into uh, chaos uh, what was a great start to the season for Aston Villa and uh, now you're in a situation I mean because they are uh, elite athletes they should be uh, resilient to uh, the virus but you know individually you don't know uh, what the situation is everybody reacts uh, differently some footballers uh, I think it was the German league when they came back were out for a while because you know the respiratory issue which a lot of footballers do suffer from and uh, there's been some reports about this which we highlighted uh, I mean last year when when this outbreak happened before but it's it's not something you just go ah you know they're fit young lads they'll be all right it's not a given so fingers crossed that everybody pulls through and they can be back at it uh, you know instantly but Spurs and potentially Everton games postponed. Yeah, it should be should be an interesting week ahead. Be on you know on the pitch and off it potentially. But if you look around, you know Fulham, Newcastle, Manchester City, they did they have a game yeah, postponed as well. Time. It's not like we don't have time to play these games later in the season. But you know this is a major outbreak with them. I mean they disclosed it was like a couple of players. Uh, 
here or there. This this is like uh, the whole first team squad and anybody who's been training with them was just taken out of the picture. I mean, the fact that Villa just pulled... I mean, we'll talk about it when we look at the Liverpool game, but that game really should be postponed. It shows you how... You know, reluctant both teams potentially were to to kick that game into the postponement long grass because anybody with half a unless they're you know Villa and Liverpool are pushing that there's no way that game takes place surely I think it showed that Villa weren't that bothered and frankly they just wanted to fulfil the fixture and get it out of the way yeah there's no way we're winning that game 100 percent there's no way no. we're winning that game especially with that lineup that Klopp put out you know you might as well flip a bloody coin because there's a chance we would actually win that meanwhile in Villa News Dean Smith was nominated for manager of the month for December El Ghazi and Martinez also nominated for player of the month El Ghazi uh, goal of the month as well I think you know to me these things don't really matter but they're more an indication that you're doing well if you're getting nominated so uh, that's uh, a good look at the moment and uh, shows you that we are on uh, before Covid struck that we yeah. were on the we yeah. were on the right path. Well, it's something you thought you would never you'd never see, isn't it? El, El Ghazi up for goal of the month and player of the month. I mean, it's yeah, within that short space of time, yeah, it's a great quite quite a turnaround for him. him. I mean, it's the cliche, isn't it? It's like signing a new player because most Villa fans were looking at getting a winger in or calling for a winger to get in rather than giving him a chance. So, well, uh, he'd been written off after that Stoke Cup game, hadn't he? Yeah, and it's well, and and the Everton miss more to the point. Yes, yeah. So uh, that's a big plus. Uh, any other news? Uh, yeah, there's a couple of the youngsters are starting to get out on loan, which I think is important. Obviously, you know, yeah, but they missed their in, big in opportunity. They missed the wow, chance to play against Liverpool. Indeed. It's the worst timing to go out on loan ever. But yeah, so so Jack Jack Clark's gone to Chesterfield. He spent the first season out at Yeovil, and then Cameron Archer's been in the goals. He scored five in twelve. He has extended his stay at Solihull Moors, just down the road. Let's get into the three points. Uh, first up, uh, COVID is as it wraps up the nation it's also obviously eating away more and more into the world of football i mean there's loads of uh things that we could pull out here but uh, the more interesting ones by munich are saying they'll do no business in the january transfer window to stop the movement of players into their bubble which is quite a dramatic uh course of action really isn't it i mean it's it's kind of a little bit easier for them to say isn't it they're a very good team they've got huge resources anyway and they're yeah. currently top of the league. But I suppose any player that you would buy would have to go in a quarantine period anyway, so they're going to miss two you or would, three. You would think two so, or three yeah. games, so you might as well see how it plays out, ride it out, and then you know do business in the summer anyway. Yeah, you, you couldn't imagine any Premier League team coming out with that statement. It's just a, it's a different way of thinking. Yeah, I mean, Allardyce had said as much that between Brexit and COVID, it would definitely affect his business, but that's not to say he isn't going to do any. Yeah, it makes it uh, way harder for him. Yeah, for and sure. to get a player to move abroad in this period where they, it's not like they know they can bring their family and it's, you know, it becomes very, very difficult. They're going to be living in an empty hotel on their own. And, a, and, a, and a, your average fan on social media doesn't really and, and never has really thought about the social implications of everything. They just think, oh, you pay the money, they come. But now it's, there's a, it's a minefield now you've got to get through. Steve Bruce uh, actually came out and said, playing on is morally wrong I mean that's something we were saying last season there's there's not going to be any circuit breakers or anything this Premier League will go on until it feasibly cannot possibly go on because the government shut it down because of all the financial contracts whether it's sponsors whether it's the actual player contracts the uh, the league setup the main thing is they don't really want to be rebating uh, the tv companies either so uh, they'll go they'll be the last show standing I think yeah 
Moving on, Schalke of the Bundesliga recorded their first win in 31 games. I mean, that, that beats even what we were doing over That's the last shocking, decade or so. But they're still not done and dusted yet. They, uh, they're one place above bottom. You'd expect if you hadn't won a game in 31, you would be bottom of the Bundesliga. But uh, they have uh, that win has actually uh, got them off the bottom spot. Yeah, they turned to turned to their own wonder kid, the Matthew Hopp. Great name. Uh, an American. He's he was toiling away in the the fourth tier for the reserves, and they, mu- they must have exhausted every other option in the thirty one games. Bring him in for a game hat trick. There you go. Happy days. Play the kids. Play the kids. This is what that's what Villa should have been doing last season. Nineteen year old American. If only we'd played vastly up more last season. <laughs> <laughs> if only. Also, uh, getting back to winning ways. Although it was in the cup, Chris Wilder finally managed to uh, break. Did he call it 182 days of hurt? Yeah, he's, he's, he finally got his hundredth win as Sheffield United manager. He'd only been waiting 182 <laughs> days since the 11th of July. <laughs> Personally, I'd blame Oyan Nealon for that. But yeah, but uh, we'll see if we can actually get any traction in the league. Uh, it was three two against. Is it Bristol Rovers? Yes, the, uh, yeah, Bristol. The result? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Point number three: the twerp in Antwerp. This, what a corker like, this is, by the way. I, I like, I like this story. Royal Antwerp forward Didier Lamkelzar showed up to training because he's been trying to force a move, hasn't he? Yeah, he's been trying to get out of there to go to Panathinaikos. Yeah, showed up in training wearing the shirt of their arch rivals Anderlecht. And uh, if you've seen the the pictures, it, it's a classic. He's going up to, you know, these football training centres always have glass front doors. So you see a picture of him going up in his Anderlecht shirt and behind it is it's the security guard and whoever else, probably the receptionist he was rude to over his time there, of, of forcing the door closed and you know basically telling him to get the hell out of there and uh, forced him to uh, later apologise. It's, it's, uh, you can imagine that. Who, Lansbury turning up in a blue shirt. <laughs> Not with that haircut, Henry. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's trying to keep him out. It's like Scott Hogan trying to get his boots back in it. <laughs> <laughs> no, Scott. <laughs> not in that shirt, son. This is uh, where footballers are showing that they don't actually understand the culture of the team they're playing for there because uh, they would rather shoot him dead on the spot coming in in an Anderlecht shirt than uh, affording him any hospitality there. You can only imagine like Rangers and Celtic shirts or <laughs> Bloody hell. Liverpool United, Boca and River Plate. It'd be great. Imagine that in Italy with the Ultras. Yeah, Rome, Rome and Lazio. Lazio. Yeah. Good Lord. Right, before we go on, I just want to say a massive thank you to the My Old Man Said patrons who uh, have supported us through uh, last year and are uh, and signed up uh, for this year. Recently, uh, thank you very much for actually uh, three people in the last few days that have uh, gone annual with uh, uh, Daniel Wayne, Matthew Allen, and also Leon Wilde uh, taking advantage of the offer where you get two months free if you... Uh, supporters as a patron for a year also uh, thank you very much to uh, victoria cousins or vicky as we know her in match club uh, daniel gooding gooding and will bowden ben uh, for upping their pledges as well thank you very much did i say daniel hayfield 
I'll just say Daniel Hayfield. This week, we will be launching our new Mums Patron-only podcast channel, where there will be uh, a few new shows coming to you uh, every month. Some of them weekly, some of them monthly, maybe fortnightly. So more details of them when they pop out, but uh, that will be an an extra perk for uh, supporting us, as well as uh, membership of Match Club as well. So please do go to myonmensaid.com and click on the Patreon link to uh, find out more information about uh, the new channel, which... uh, should be up uh, in the week and uh, also match club etc right aston villa kids versus liverpool fa cup third round going into this game i said on facebook i referred to it uh, you know i put up the news actually about the covid situation which is like a major thing it's you know nine villa first teamers down with uh, covid and you know the implications that could spin off there in terms of uh, postponed games and you know will they all come back and but the main thing people were saying oh no what's going to happen in the FA Cup and you're just thinking well the fact that the whole first team and that includes the reserves and it includes some of our better under 23 players will have no part of the action in this FA Cup game means you don't win it if it's played it's as simple as that unless you flip a coin and we win that which would have been hilarious by the way yeah, I, I was up for the flip the coin routine. I thought that would be because uh, that's a throwback. I mean, we were talking before the show you know, in the World Cup uh, back in the day, right at the start. If a, if a game finished uh, as a draw, they would instead of going to penalties, which they hadn't thought about at that stage, they would just flip a coin to decide it. So it would have been a real throwback there. But for, for the situation we were sitting in, because I was thinking we're going to put out a team of like mainly under 18s. And whatever team Liverpool put out, they'll know they're going to win it. So they'll put out a team to make sure they win it. But you could be looking at massive embarrassment. The squirrel brain fan who's on social media, who's like, oh, yeah, it's karma, isn't it? Because, you know, we had to play our kids against you last time. And Well, strictly speaking, lads, you didn't have to. You chose to. Exactly. And they beat us 10-0, 8-0. They'd be jotting up the aggregate score and, you know, it would be tedious as hell. But not only that, you know, I think our record defeat was in the 19th century in the FA Cup. We got beat 8-1 by Blackburn. So that that's under threat. But yeah, a lot of fans were going, oh, this is our best chance of silverware. And because I said this is a, a pointless FA Cup game, which it was game was the the big word that people didn't see. They were just saying that I, I was writing off the FA Cup. Yes, the FA Cup has been a bit of a farce, but it's still the only trophy that I've never seen Villa win. So I'd like to see them win it. But that game, you're not going to win it. And it's, you know, it compromises the uh, integrity of the competition because the FA, this was the best tie of the round. I mean, unless somebody can prove me otherwise this was like the new vibrant Aston Villa against the Premier League champions who they'd already beaten 7-2 earlier on in the season yeah BT Sport thought they were getting a right result they ended up with well they actually ended up with a different headline but probably something as equally box office but in a different way yeah and that was only because uh, the kids rose to the, the challenge which we'll we'll get on to but uh to tell you the truth, park the COVID aside, Klopp said he was going to play that team anyway. I didn't realise at the time, well, not not when the fixture was made, that actually they didn't have to play. They had like 10 days rest after, yeah, which I didn't understand because Klopp has been saying how there's too much congestion. And you just think from how he's been talking, they're playing every other day. So when I saw that, I thought, shit, he, he will go reasonably strong here because he can afford to. It just just undermined the entire argument in one point. I mean, you, you saw the team sheet, or you saw the, t- the two teams, and then you see their team, and you just think, 
Really? Are you trying? Are you trying to point here, or no? He well, he said in his interview he was playing that team. That was his team. They've trained, so he's not going to change it. But Ollie Watkins would have been gutted having seen the way their back four defended. We barely even got at them. <laughs> yeah. So what I wanted to say was, I think Villa, because they're playing Spurs on Wednesday, they would have gone. They would have rested eight or nine. You know. Yeah players and we would have been beaten there if we'd played our full strength team i think we win that game because they look shocking oh, yeah yeah especially in the first half yeah that's the context that what happened was uh way 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 beyond uh what we could have expected and uh, it, was, it was a complete revelation prior, prior to the match i i opened the drinks cupboard and was just looking i, I wasn't looking at what i was drinking i was looking at the percentage of what i was drinking i was thinking to myself <laughs> how, how do you <laughs> How do I get through this? How do I ease it? Well, in Match Club, I think people normally have a beer or, or whatever. Most people were showing pictures of whiskey this time because they were expecting something... Uh, yeah, it was it was hard liquor. Something bordering <laughs> on evil was going to happen to uh, this Villa lineup. And after four minutes, we thought, oh, God, here we go. Yeah, the effortless nature of the goal as well just it just looked like it was going to be a very very long night. But also, not only that as a spectacle, it would become very boring for us and, and probably even Liverpool fans. But you're looking at a lineup as I as I said at the top of the show where it's you know it's this is the first time it's happened and, uh, since Aston Villa formed those many 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 years ago that 16 players play their first ever games for Aston Villa's first team and for uh, most of them it will be probably their last as well sadly but to have that moment is uh it's just a shame it's not in front of uh fans but if fans were there then obviously uh there's a good chance there wouldn't be any pandemic uh, in the uh so it would have never have happened so it is this kind of bizarre where almost like all these all these different factors have lined up for this to actually happen where you've got all these like 16 17 18 year old kids playing for aston villa and giving it like you know, the game of their life, really. Yeah, well, I I said in Match Club, it, it reminded me of your own playing days when you you didn't know anything about the team coming out and you just looked at them getting off the bus. You were going like, "Oh, goalkeeper, he's tall," and you were going like, yeah. "He looks, he looks quick," and ah, oh, he must be a centre back. He's massive and things like he's that. He's got and, wick, he's got wicked boots. He's yeah, probably their best player. Yeah, he's got him. he's got predators. <laughs> Teddy wrote, oh, "I've never seen a player so short," <laughs> but he was he was excellent. No, because though, even when he came on. Yeah, even the most avid watcher of our youth team. I mean, this this wasn't our youth team. This was like a cobbled cobbled this was together our second, youth team. Just a second yeah. string youth team, wasn't it? Because you you knew about Louis Barry, obviously, and Revan and Kessler and Crescent, players like that that we've been made aware of. But yeah. other ones coming in, just filling in the blanks. You were just going like, it really did have the potential to be horrendous for all concerned. Because this was a team that was a makeshift team that had had about what maybe one day's prep. I mean, you can't do anything on the training ground to prepare a bunch of 17, 18-year-olds for world superstars in full flow at them. Yeah, sometimes in life in general, the best preparation is in big, big events in your life is to have no preparation. You don't overthink it then, do you? You just say, go and, just go and, go and play. And I think the yeah. fact that there wasn't a crowd actually probably helped them in this sense because they wouldn't be anywhere near as nervous because a lot of them would have played, they'd have sort of treated it as like a reserve game. Yeah. Louis Barry, who, who everybody knew before because obviously he got the big move uh, from Barcelona, was the the main player everybody knows. Uh, Dominic Revan has been on the bench when we're in the championship uh, a good few times. Uh, is it six or seven, something like that? Yeah, he's been on the Carib- in the Carabao Cup squads, hasn't he, as well? A little and, you know, he's he's 20 years old, so he's uh, he kind of knows the Villa setup, but not, not advanced in terms of, you know, he hasn't played no. yet. 
And he's not one of those guys who's gone out on loan and done amazing things and you think, yeah, he's, he's really knocking on the door now. He's certainly not there. Yeah, after Mane scored that first goal and, you, and you, you're starting to have flashbacks to him scoring that hat-trick in the first 16 minutes yeah. against Villa for Southampton, you think he's going to score a hat-trick quicker than that, which, uh, I mean, he scored all those three goals within the space for like three minutes, didn't he? Two minutes, yeah, 40 record. seconds or something. Yeah, yeah. Premier League uh, record. But once that started happening, you, you're just thinking... Uh, Nodi in goal, who, funny enough, he had a trial at Liverpool, uh, our goal, the goalkeeper, and uh, obviously didn't make the grade there. Came up uh, for Villa, and ironically, uh, he's, he's playing against them. But you were thinking, you know, the, the Hungarian's going to have a, a, I don't know what hot is in Hungarian, but it's going to be a bit of a hot night for him. And uh, his back four, back, you know, the back five, the, the banks in front of him were, were exceptional because if you look at the heat map, Villa's heat map of where all the players are, it's basically a red blodge on our, of our six-yard box. Yeah, we just, we just held our 18-yard line for 90 minutes. <laughs> so it's just constant pressure. You know, 17%, we're not actually uh, doing much with the ball in terms of possession-wise. But it's, you know, it's like the Alamau, it's uh, the last stand. But that back four... I mean, exceptional. Well, for Liverpool, who like to move the ball around quickly, they they struggled to actually play through two banks of five players who were very well drilled. Yeah. I mean, Bridge and Re- Revan were, were fantastic. I mean, some great tackles in there. In terms of, uh, I mean, the full-backs, I mean, the problem was, and it was always going to be the problem, was sustaining, the, obviously they've got the energy and exuberance of youth, but sustaining that the whole 90 minutes against the top, top elite, you know, yeah, Premier League with- players. Youth players don't have the stamina, do they, of the seniors yet? Um, but it's, it's like when it's a different type of fitness, isn't it? They might have like they might be able to dash around for sixty minutes, but they don't have the ability to chase the ball for ninety minutes. Very few teams do. Jake Walker at right back, energy was all you know relentless, and then about seventy minute mark, he just looked like he had nothing left which uh, did pave the way for Teddy Rowe to come in. And T- Teddy Rowe, despite being even shorter than Barry Bannon, which I didn't think was possible, was uh, he had a great 15 minutes. Got a he great was... touch, hasn't he? Yeah, it was loving life. And when did you ever? Th- when have we ever seen a double drag back in our own penalty area? <laughs> <laughs> it was just a, a, a joy to watch. And yeah, that double drag back. That was Young. Bradley Young. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he come on. The Zidane would have been proud of it. Never seen Zidane back in his one box. He just did that like he didn't have a care in the world, like it was consummate. Well, our default response is invariably, don't f*** out with it on the edge of the penalty area because <laughs> it always costs us a goal. <laughs> but there were some great moments. I mean, before before he, uh, Bradley did that, there was a great tackle, like a full-on tackle, which, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. which you thought, this is old school. This is crunching tackle inside the penalty box, and it's so clean. No Liverpool player can do their usual and uh, you know pretend it's a penalty. And you had no. there the young lad Silla, who obviously loves the Villa. He had a great game in the middle of the park. He was getting well stuck in. Yes, the best Silla they ever played for Villa. Yeah, he is. I mean, he shackled Henderson more than uh, the other uh, Silla would be able to as well. Well, Henderson got hooked at halftime, didn't he? And they brought on a, yeah. was it a three-time Champions League winner in the end. Kane Hayden saw the most of the ball of any uh, Villa kid out there, but he looked like he uh, definitely had pace on the ball and was, you know, live wire down the right-hand side. But I think it was, we're talking about the double drag back and everything, but that was that was the word, I think, you've, you've nailed it there, that we didn't really expect was the confidence which they took to their task here. It was uh, sensational because you're playing a team, Mane, Salah, 
Henderson, Milner. Who else? Fabinho, would you consider him a yeah, top Yeah, Fabinho's, Fabinho's a starter. Wenaldum, yeah. You know, and then the bench was an absolute joke. I mean, you, you mentioned Milner. Five of Villa's starting lineup weren't even born when James Milner made his FA Cup debut for Leeds in 2003. That's just nuts. Yeah. I mean, the superlatives, you, you can't really overdo it in terms of the praise of what they did because, as, a, as we were saying, that could have been an absolute nightmare in terms of... Uh, I mean, Liverpool, I don't think they were playing 100%, but at the same time, they did have a reason to batter us mercilessly and run the knife through because of what we've done in previous encounters. That's what it sort of shows in the spirit of them. I mean, they go one nil down after four minutes. They must even they must be thinking what the fans are thinking. It's you know, it's like here we go. This is gonna, yeah. this could be a long night, and they just they just stuck to their task. And you know, they know they're going to get a bit of a, a battering. Um, in, in terms of the bombardment, you know, the balls that are going to come into the box and how much possession they're going to be up against. But the keeper had a good game. They held the shape. And I think that, that either shows how well drilled they are. And it also shows that, and the first team have been the same, that now we have a system that all the teams through the Villa you know, pathway play a certain way. It's the Villa engine, everybody. engine. <laughs> and we, I mean, we talk about confidence. I mean, one one of the things I'll mention on that, and it will link nicely into um, the, the Barry goal, was the, the amount... The confidence of both the fullbacks to actually just play the ball back to the keeper and say, "No, actually, we're going to try where we can and play out from the back," and that's and that's where and that's where the goal came from, wasn't it? That was evidence of the Villa engine in play. The Villa engine, uh, which obviously was a prior ownership's uh, Villa doctrine of how we were going to be, but it's actually you actually saw, as Chris just said, Villa playing out the back and these players being confident and not overawed by the situation, sticking to how they've been told to. Uh, play and express themselves and it was a revelation and yeah exactly that goal it's wonderfully crafted yeah and it's it, that's that's not even a youth team that's not a youth team goal is it not against senior players you know when um when the, the keeper pings it out to row isn't it to the left back takes a great first touch turns on a six punts past i think it's henderson takes him out of the game and the pass is absolutely the weight of the pass is absolutely sublime and the direction as well i mean he, yeah, he's perfect. he's He's seeing the future in that pass. Yeah. <laughs> and then obviously Barry's Barry's movement's great and he's quick and there was a sort of an air of sort of Michael Owen or I think Klopp after the game said he was very similar to Vardy. You know, once he sort of shrugs off the defender, he's gone. And even you know, Barry in his post-match said, well, when I got in the position, I was confident I was going to score. And that's the sort of, you, you know, you can call it youthful exuberance. I'd, I'd call it the bit of arrogance. And you go, yeah, do you know what? When I get in that position, I'm going to bury it. And that's what you want to see. It's actually, you know, that he's he's confident and he's actually a good player because, yeah. I mean, we've, uh, I think you, you were there when we saw, you know, used to go to Villa under 23 games and we've seen Hepburn Murphy put clean through like that. And just fluff his lines on multiple occasions. And the defender actually run him down. You're thinking, hang on a minute. I thought Hepburn Murphy's main thing was his pace and this defender's just run him down and taken the ball off him and you and the guy you know Hepburn Murphy's had a five yard start here and you thought yeah he's not going to make it you sometimes you, we've discussed this in on the podcast before you, you have these singular moments with players where you 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 make up your mind and you yeah. kind of know that was one with uh Hepburn Murphy we've d- discussed the Gary Gardner one where he came on against uh, Chelsea and had a point blank range header and missed and you thought yeah it's not going to pan out for this guy is he if you can't score that under that pressure then it's not going to work whereas Barry's been scoring goals since he arrived hasn't he at all at all age groups and you, you yeah. look at the type of goals he scores and you think well yeah of course he's buried it it's it's like a natural goal scorer. I mean, you know, for example, uh, remember when we played Chelsea and Rio Coca got put clean through from the halfway line one on one with Czech, and I just thought he's not scoring. 
<laughs> I just knew he was the number of, And the number of occasions you saw Gabby do that back in the day. He just run yeah. straight at the goalie at 100 mile an hour. Barry just took it out of his feet, calmly slotted it. It's, a, you know, it's an experienced striker's finish. Yeah, the hard part was shrugging off that player because he's twice his size. But once that is through, you, you're actually pretty confident he's going to put that one away, and that is uh, that is a you know it's a key factor already that uh, this is somebody who's not oh yeah you know give him a few games. It's like somebody who could potentially hit the ground running because he's you know it, it's a natural. He's like he's like a Grealish that he's one of these players that you, that probably sleeps with a football when he's a kid just so no, he, he loves it gets to understand the football intimately. So he's completely confident with it. At and all the times. fact that he went to my old school just makes it even cooler. But you're right. I think. You know, when you look at sort of young players coming through, you are looking for that natural ability. You know, have they got a great touch? Do they read the game? Do they have, you know, a, a great skill set? Because the physical stuff they can work on, and clearly they will. You know, yeah. if they can just bulk him up a little bit. I mean, he's never going to be tall, but, you know, Michael Owen was never massive, but he was strong enough to sort of put what himself did they about, do? But... What did they do in Messi? They gave him growth hormone. Yeah, Messi was on growth hormones yeah. as well. <laughs> Gonna have a, he's going to be a target man next this time next year, then, isn't he? Yeah. He's going to get on the dark. He's going to get on the dark web. Order some growth hormones and <laughs> big, big Barry back soon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> next season, he's six foot four. Big Baz. <laughs> I think Teddy needs some. I think he's he's took he's took all the prescription. <laughs> yeah, Teddy Ray's going to be on the. Uh, he's going to come back looking like uh, Troy or something. No, but you, you have summed it up. I mean. Everybody now is calling for him to be in the first team, but when you do have a player like that, which clearly he does have natural talent for finishing the natural talent, and it is with the first team lead need. The last thing you want to do is have him in a game against a Burnley, for want of a better word, a West Brom, something like that. All it takes is the wrong player to tackle him at the wrong time, and you, yeah. you know you could lose lose a career there so he needs to be nurtured and bulked up properly and eased into the team at the right time I think what I would do with him and it was a shame that people like Chuck Moweka and a couple of those guys who are a little bit more advanced than the, the real kids it's yeah. a shame they couldn't play because I think this would have been the perfect sort of shop window to maybe get them out on loan later in the month because that's where they're going to do their learning isn't it yeah I mean I mean the real uh, superstars if uh, Barry is that do Get bled, drip fed into, and it helps if you're a successful team because then you last, you know, I don't know, eight, seven or eight games when you've kind of run your course, you know, you're going to finish, I don't know, eighth, eighth to tenth. If that's uh, the team you're in, you can start getting five, ten minutes here and there. And, you know, your Rooney's, your Owens, your Gerrards, et cetera, you know, they, you know, they weren't really going out on loan, were they? They went kind well, of straight. Ro- I mean, Rooney's a very, very um, isolated case, isn't it? He was just tearing it up at youth level but compared to it was so physically developed it was for big, his age yeah. wasn't he they put him straight in and he just hit the ground running he's a you know a very rare thing michael owen he'd kill if you look at his youth record he was absolutely killing it all through the age groups and at england youth level robbie fowler was the same so when they came in they hit the ground running yeah but if they're reasonably successful they can drip feed him yeah. for games here or there i so mean I, I think um i think the fact that we've got nine subs means you know when you get to sort of april and may now you know the reality is we know we're not going to be challenging for the title so if we know we're not we know we clearly aren't going to go down and we can't achieve anything that's when you can go okay we can start just getting him in the squad getting him in and around the first team pitcher. Megalon was the perfect example, same sort of style of play, even you can see already. 
but Michael Owen had far too much football at his age, and he yeah, was washed up, did. washed up in his late twenties. Done. Yeah. So it's ease him in. I mean, unfortunately, you compare it to a young, you know, a Villa legend like someone like a Gary Shaw. You know, he came off the bat very early, didn't he, as a kid, and he was just incredible. And then he got his injuries. Yeah, he was almost like twenty league goals as a teenager, and you know, winning winning the yeah. league. Uh, the problem is, uh, I mean, you know, the, the social media calls to get him playing. I mean, if you take Watkins out and bring on. Barry to play the same way he can't play like Watkins because no, Watkins are a different man, yeah. animal so uh, you almost have to learn how to a way to play with Barry in the team I mean maybe it's a two man up top I mean even like Davis or Wesley alongside Barry is, is another way of playing the little large man routine or, play, or stick him out on the wing I can see him running the channels. He's definitely a running behind kind of striker, but I, I just think you've got to. You've ultimately, you know, you've got other guys ahead of him in the pecking order who are going to need game time, and, and he'll have to realise that for now. You know, he's, he's burst onto the scene with this, and he, you know, the hype that will, will follow it is great. And as long as he keeps his, his development going, he's got you know a great career ahead of him. But yeah. there's no rush. I think the biggest achievement was keeping it down to four goals. I mean, being one-one at half time was massive. I That's mean, a great statement, yeah. And I think you know what to, to, to score. Say if we'd have scored when it was we were four 0 down and, and they just switched off and we scored a consolation, yeah. it wouldn't matter as much. But the fact that we actually equalised to make a game of it going into the second half, I think it's a really big statement. That and as Barry said himself, he said, you know, for you know for a minute, I was starting to think we could probably we might be able to win this. Picture the scene: all of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Part this with your team playing champagne football perfect order mug delivery now on the mcdonald's app there's nothing quite like a mug delivery at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com yeah but back back to my point now you, you know the likes of uh anodi row bevin bridge walker you know row when he came on and then you know the guys in front of them ajan reiki the first punjabi uh villain uh, to make to play for the for the club and also Siller in front I mean to keep the score down to four I mean this was a, a collective team effort uh, it has to be said was was the biggest achievement because yes I would not have blinked if that would be 10 nil and most you know there's a lot of people and even the media the you know the context wouldn't have been uh, laid out before the headline of uh, Villa taking a battering and there is that humiliation just from the headlines and uh, yeah. all the social media that you've got to go through but uh, and the fact that you know yes you've conceded four but actually Liverpool turned it on for about five minutes and scored three goals in a five minute period where they went bang 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 and you thought wow that's pretty devastating finishing and the finishing to be fair Liverpool they took all their goals brilliantly yeah. as, you'd, as you'd expect from that calibre of play but you now the fact that even the, the little headline of they had to call for the cavalry and bring on yeah. you know like players like Firmino Thiago Shaqiri you know these are Champions League winners multiple yeah. Champions League winners some of these guys um, it just makes the story that little bit sweeter that Liverpool had to Pull, pull out the big guns and they probably bought the best part of, I don't know, a couple of hundred million off the bench. Um, whereas we were bringing on, you know, kids who've just been born. It's kind of like, it makes the story that little bit sweeter and the fact that you actually held Liverpool at, you know, at arm's length for the best part of potentially 80 minutes through the game, really. I mean, Lamar uh, Bogard, I think we paid... We paid. He was highly rated, wasn't he, from Feyenoord? Yeah, we. I mean, we paid a little bit for him. Yeah, I mean, he'd only signed his full pro contract, hadn't he, the day before? So that you know, the so the investment that you know the uh, the ownership have put into the youth system now, you know, clearly it's not seeing not that genuine fruits yet because they will ultimately only be judged by how many of these guys actually graduate into the first team. But it's yeah. a really good opening statement, isn't it, for all of them? Yeah, and it's it's a, it's a confidence booster because the reality yeah. is, you know, they're they're kind of in the middle of of their 
respective league and they have taken some beatings by uh, the league teams they played in the uh, EFL Cup. I mean, this is probably the generation that's next to come. And, you know, the under-23s are perhaps that this crop is better than the current uh, full team under-23s, although obviously, uh, you know, half of them are in there anyway. Phil, anything to uh, wrap up with? I have to say, I can't wait for the Netflix documentary of the whole night. I mean, it'll be better than the Mighty Ducks or anything like that. I mean, there's (laughs) just... Getting on a, you know, going home in a minibus, getting a Domino's pizza at the end, job well done, you know, upheld the the proud tradition of Aston Villa and the cup and stopped any sort of record score. I mean, mission accomplished. And they got the support of Liam Gallagher. They'll be loving that. I I love the fact that Mark Delaney said, this is the most excited I've been. (laughs) (laughs) Or so than like an FA Cup final. Was that because he he also played under David (laughs) O'Leary? Not much comparison, but yeah, no. It's uh, as a one-off. Uh, as we said, we would have gone. We would have played a weaker team anyway. So if you're going to go out, this was probably the best way to kind of do it. Although uh, the coin flip option could have meant we'd have won this game, and which would have been hilarious. <laughs> Can you imagine the scouse response? But just to wind them up, you can't beat it, right? Uh, in the spirit of uh, Villa youth, let's do a over or underrated on two guys that were also very much hyped back in the day. The twin threat of Stefan Moore and Luke Moore. Right, Stefan and Luke, who shall we go for first? Who came first? It was Stefan, wasn't it? Yeah, he was the older brother, was he not? Yeah. And and the one most likely or the one who had the greatest expectation. I mean I mean the starting point for them would be uh I mean Stefan Moore did captain the uh Aston Villa Youth Cup winners, the FA Youth Cup uh, when we beat uh, Everton and Wayne Rooney 4-1. I mean back in the day as a football fan, your only real interaction with the youth team was you would follow the Youth Cup and that was really the the main tournament because there wasn't any real leagues uh, that you would that would be let's say push forward that you could actually follow because you know the internet's not there yeah all you saw they would always have a two-page spread in the in the match day program and that's about all you used to see i mean i went to a couple of fa youth cup final games at villa park actually i remember i remember going to the everton one and it was actually a really good crowd obviously you know we were four nil up from the first leg which probably helped and then i remember a few years later we played i think it was middlesbrough and we got battered three nil at home but so um, what did you think of more watching that game well, I think he scored, didn't he, in the first leg, if I remember right. I think both of them scored in that first leg at Goodison when we were falling up going into it. It was hard to gauge, really. It was a difficult one because it was almost done as a contest by that point. So a lot of people had gone because they'd heard about this wonder kid called Wayne Rooney who was playing for the opposition. I think you know, we were very aware at the time that you know, these two, Stefan Moore, they thought was going to be the next big thing. And they thought he was kind of going to follow in the footsteps of sort of like a Darren Byfield. And then he had his you know, his younger brother who was in the team and he was going to be the... He was even as, as rated, but he wasn't going to come quite so soon and then yeah. it was within about a year or two you know Stefan Moore was making his debut in the you know in, in the first team and I remember I remember seeing his he first goal he scored a cracker didn't he yeah, yeah. I, again, I remember I was there that night we beat Charlton here's a bit of trivia who else who else scored on that night uh, not Vassell nope Ginola no nope who useless Dela Cruz <laughs> <laughs> sorry Karen. That's it. <laughs> there was a was it like a edge of the box job, wasn't it? Yeah, he picked it up on the halfway line, stuck it past. It was it was kind of similar to Louis Barry's goal actually. Then he whipped it in the top in the top corner. It was a great finish. Yeah. So uh, what happened to him then? Well, he made his way into the first team, and he, he's 
progress just sort of stopped. Now there was there was a little. I remember hearing little bits of rumours that he was a bit lazy. You know, we kind of thought he'd already made it before he actually had. Uh, now, whether or not that's true or not is now that's open to debate, and that's yeah, only a couple, you know, a bit a of, hearsay, couple but, of injuries. I remember, I remember, uh, but they both did actually. Because he would come on in in front of Elbeck, and yeah. then then uh, then he got an ankle injury that that if you put any money on something that that really curtailed his uh, let's say Premier League level uh, career, it probably was that because he was never really the same after that. I think he just you know ultimately he was so far down the pecking order, and his brother was obviously it was probably going to end up being a straight up shootout between Luke and Stefan for who would make it there, and obviously they were up against at that point. They'd have had you know all back. You'd have had Dublin. Obviously, yeah, Vassel and Juan Pablo Angel. So we were pretty well stocked for senior level strikers then. So they were going to have to be pretty bloody good to to break through. And I think he only scored once more after that. I remember seeing him score at, uh, I think it was at Ewood Park. He scored against Blackburn. Yeah, that's Um, correct. And he just didn't, um, he just never pushed on. And then his career just sort of nosedived after it for some reason. Yeah, I I remember when he broke through. You you heard about his brother. You heard about Luke as well, and it was this sort of like it, it wasn't it wasn't fair at the time. But the attitude was, oh, well, if Stefan doesn't make it look well, it was that that yeah, sort it was of that, oh, very much so. that that. But, but there was there was also a hype train about that uh, Stefan. I mean, he, I mean, the older brother he's like the heir to the throne first, isn't he? But there was a hype train, and this is like a, a cautionary warning for other players, which you know we've seen it many times. Uh, the hype is there. And in the end, it's uh, they end up playing for Leamington or Brackley Town or uh, St Neots or somewhere. I mean, considering you know in that in that same youth cup team, you had one you know Peter Whittingham who went on to have a you know pretty good pro career and he had a you know, yeah. good little good little stint at Villa and um, you know he played in a pretty good Villa side that first year under O'Leary and then obviously went on and had a really good career at Cardiff. Because I mean, Stefan was he was it was like yeah, there's too much competition, so they started loaning him out. You know, Millwall, Leicester, amongst others, and then. Uh, when it was time to say goodbye, it was I think 2005. He went to QPR, and and there he didn't really. He was there for like th- three years, two three seasons, and there he, you know, I think he scored like three goals in almost 40 games. I mean, he was playing under Ian Holloway at QPR, and and it was a free transfer. But that was where he had to save his career if he was going to do anything and change his attitude. If that was his problem, it had to be at QPR, and then. It was almost that was it, and he came back, and then he's he's been like a local boy. He you know he played for Kiddy, Hounslow, St Neots, Redditch United, Tamworth. Uh, more recently, I mean he's thirty seven at the moment. You know Hounslow uh, and St Neots is almost like he he got his goal return that he used to have in the youth team, and he was banging them in, and he was very prolific. But at that stage, it's too late, isn't it? Well, you found your level then, haven't you? Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, if you if you can't make it in the uh, Intertoto Cup, then uh, it's not going to look good. No, he was in the team. One of the failed attempts, yeah. Yeah, when we played was, Zurich. Was, and, yeah, uh, we I beat Lille. I remember. Yeah, we lost to Lille in the next. Yeah, we we lost to Lille in the next round. We we, yeah. we got through against Zurich. He played in that game because remember we came back from two 0 down in the first leg to win and then lost. I mean, if I was a manager of Aston Villa, players that are in the squad of a failed Intertoto Cup run, I'd be selling them in this summer immediately after. <laughs> it's like it's like that is either is that win the... Southgate left in the end then. <laughs> <laughs> either win the Intertoto Cup or you're out. Uh anyway, let's uh under or overrated Mr. Stefan Moore. Over in the end unfortunately. Yeah, over because there was uh, a lot of initial hype 
Yeah, over overrated. Yeah. Now potentially more interesting, uh, Luke Moore, the younger brother, yeah, little yeah, little brother. Suddenly, after Stefan doesn't quite make the grade, your expectations for Luke Moore drop a little bit. But he's, I think he uh, he went way beyond. Uh, I I any for homegrown players as well. He went way beyond uh, expectations. I would I would venture. Well, he he you know obviously got into the team and he more more like his brother. I mean, he had more injury problems, but he actually managed to sort of hold down a place a little bit more. And in certainly towards the end of his his time at Villa, you know, he'd he'd come into the team during the O'Leary era, but really he'd come through um, in the very early days of Martin O'Neill. So, of course, we'd started to spend money at this point. Um, So, of course, he dropped down the pecking order quite quickly, but he had scored a few goals and he was getting in and around the squad and making you know making appearances um again he just needed to push on and 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 kind of didn't necessarily go into the the next level but then i think the the bar got raised quite quickly when yeah. martin o'neill arrived which yeah, was probably in the end that was probably his downfall when you're bringing in like john Carew and people like that there you know young young guy doesn't have much much chance especially whenever o'neill is Back in the back in Carew so much as he did because initially it was uh, it was like the Engel Carlton Cole Vassell era and you know Carlton Cole was only here on on loan for a year so there is that suggests that if Moore is good he's got a chance uh, at that level of uh, Villa I mean I always remember he used to score against Middlesbrough yeah he scored he a really hat trick didn't he at he scored the a hat trick yeah and then he in scored the yellow kit wasn't it. I think his first goal ever for Villa uh, in the Premier League was against them as well. In a, yeah, I, remember, I, think... I remember he shanked one into the top corner. It was it was like the best accidental finish you've seen. It was a brilliant goal. <laughs> I remember he was actually. This is how I remember he scored, this. He did was he involved. Score, um... He's got a double hat trick in pre-season, didn't he? Yeah, and it's like a, it's it's like a, a 10-0 Swedish win or team something. Or yeah, something. fourteen nil or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um and I think he scored a, I think he scored a hat trick against Toronto on a pre-season tour that was in his last that was you know, that was one of the seasons when Villa got very good but I remember he was involved in the team at St Andrews the one when uh, Gabby scored the well obviously Gabby scored the winner but the one when Gabby obviously cleared it off the line then we went up the other end and I think it was Luke Moore that played it to Ashley Young Ashley Young's cross and Gabby's header so he played in that team so he was in and around the squad a lot more then until it became you know the Gabby and John Caruso. He was a striker that, apart from he, he was like he was decent pace. It's hard to describe what kind of striker he was. He, he was just somebody well, he just ma- had a bit of everything, wasn't he? Just, just managed just to score. Yeah, I think at youth level he was more of a goal scorer than Stefan. Stefan was more of an all round player, but Stefan was uh, sorry, Luke was the goal scorer. Yeah, where is he now? What's what's been going on? Any interview that you can find with um, Luke, especially it's um, the do they did shy away from the limelight, or Luke's certainly shy away from the limelight. There's a goal he scored for Swansea against uh, Man City in their, and this would be Mancini's Man City when the they won the league with Aguero. Swansea beat them one nil in that season, and you know Swansea still hold this game up as a big thing but they said like the the guy the guy that scored a goal looked more it was it looked more it was as if he you know couldn't be bothered couldn't care less he just he just shied away from it and that is what they are demand they seem to be quite private people because he's played for so many clubs and he's got a decent amount of appearances for most of them and yet there's so little about them they just people just say oh he was quiet and you know just got on with his business you know like stefan had that, you know, he went to QPR and it was like make or break time. And uh, obviously it was downhill after that for him. But for Luke Moore, he uh, he did a snodgrass and went to uh, West Brom where he had been on 
on loan there. And that was a time where it potentially is make make or break. But he did enough there to then move on to like Derby and then, as you just said, Swansea. But then he had a, a bit of a... And I think if you're a footballer and you're not going to make the top, top grade in the English league, if you can get travelling and see a bit of the world, then uh, good good on you. And that's you know exactly what he did. I mean, he ended up at uh, Shivaras in the US and uh, Toronto to play in the uh, MSL. And before that, he went to uh, Turkey as well. Is it as Elazigspor? Is that how you say it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He spent a year there, didn't he? He could probably you know sit back and think he's had a he's had an okay career there. What he what he said himself about it was he said that if he has time over again, there of course there'd be things he'd have done differently. And he goes, everybody tells him his career goes in the blink of an eye, and he agrees. But he says the only thing he wouldn't have done different was being in respect of being more professional. He was he always said he was always very disciplined and very professional. So it was just it seems to be just a case of wrong wrong place at the wrong time for why he didn't make it all these times. Yeah, yeah. I mean ultimately it was, it was like our youngest ever player to score a Premier League hat trick. That was obviously the Middlesbrough in you know, two thousand six. So he, he clearly had it in him. Yeah, because sometimes a new manager comes. In and you know he's got the young lad, but he's got to uh, that he doesn't really know. But he's got to uh, he's got his reputation on the line straight away. So he's and if he's got money to spend and he gets players in, then he's going to go for you know he's going to entrust his reputation on the players that he brings in. So the young lad, a Luke Moore in this case, might not uh, get a fair crack of the the whip. I remember Rangers were after him at one stage when Martin O'Neill came in. I think it was mm-hmm. January winter 2008. Yeah, they ended up going to West Brom, didn't they, in the end? Yeah, on, on loan instead. And that, when you look at what happened to Stephen Davis when he went to Rangers, that could have probably been the making of uh, Luke Moore if he went to Rangers instead. Low, you know, lower standard of the league. And, you know, he could have made a name for himself there and uh, picked up a bit of silverware en route. Well, and he'd be, ultimately, you know, he's going to get chances and he's going to score goals. Yeah, I think he's one of those what you call a natural goal scorer. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he never got into double figures. Uh, I don't think in a season, but uh, he had a run of games. I remember. I think it was under O'Leary. I think it was anyway when he, when he had like about a, a four or five game period where he was scoring consistently, and everyone was like, "Oh wow, he looks he looks like he's coming good here. He looks like he's going to be the real deal." And then he, he just tailed off, and again, he'd he'd get injuries at key times, and. You know the firepower we had at that point was like you know if if you weren't consistent you weren't going to start. Yeah, and as a supporter, you thought the only way you stay in the team is if you keep scoring, son, because <laughs> you yeah. weren't totally convinced. And in Gabby, of course, you had a, a very raw player, and ultimately probably not as naturally gifted, but of course he had such electric pace that he was yeah. a weapon. We don't have much luck with brothers, no. Gardner brothers, and now the Moors. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's like you, it's like when it comes to the academy now. I think they just kill the uh, the the weakest. <laughs> Which one of the Ramses just, is in trouble? <laughs> just to give the older one more or, or the best better one more chance of survival. But aren't there? Isn't aren't the Revens? They're brothers as well, aren't they? I think there's two Revan brothers. Yeah, uh, if you are listening to this podcast and you are currently in the uh, Villas Youth Academy and you have a brother in the Youth Academy. Please do ignore uh, what we've just said. In the, uh, they <laughs> won't be, to the death. <laughs> they don't actually kill the weakest brother. <laughs> I was that was just a joke. So uh, Luke Moore, how are we going to uh, crack the whip on him? Underrated or overrated? Overrated as well. <laughs> Chris, Bud. I'm going to go. I'm going to go under. I'm going under. Why? Because I think he had. I think he had it in him to be a an all right player. I mean, he had an okay career. And I and I always factor in the fact that it didn't cost us anything. The big thing with under overrate for me is they arrive with uh, with a huge price tag. You know, we sold him and made money. God, you're such a capitalist. 
personal would be proud. It's modern football, David. Fo- yeah. This youth football, it's a business now. <laughs> you're like you're like Perslow's child. <laughs> Son of Perslow. Oh, thanks. <laughs> the wolf of Bodymore Heath. <laughs> yeah, the wolf of Bodymore Heath. <laughs> <Da-da>. <laughs> but I'm I'm gonna go with uh underrated as well because uh I think he had more that he possibly could have given for Villa. I don't think Stefan did. Luke did. Luke did. I think. I was amazed when he scored a hat trick against Middlesbrough at the time. I was like, "Geez, I never expected that." I thought he was just like somebody's going to get ten minutes here, fifteen minutes here, and just until we buy somebody that forces him out and he has to leave. But uh, I think he had a, a fair crack of the whip, and uh, and that, in terms of career, you know, he played in the Premier League for you know the Baggies as well and Swansea. So it's not as if it was game over after he left us. So he had like a span of almost ten years where he was considered a you know, Premier League player, so he top league, and then got a little bit of a tour around the world, America and Turkey. So uh, I think that's a decent career, really. I'd say so. I mean, the main thing is that they, they they both ended up on the board of a taxi company. What a great story that is! Are they on the board of Uber? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I think they'd be uh, <laughs> they'd be absolutely balling out of in control that, if in they that, were on that. In board. that case, underrated. It's probably, uh... it's probably Uber that put them uh, put them out of business because it's now been dissolved. Yeah, all right. Right, I'll, I'm going to go underrated with that brother. He, uh, he was the strongest brother in the end, so uh, in, in the new regime of the Villa Youth Academy, he's the one who would have made it from the cull. Right, so uh, that's the... Uh, I think we'll uh, leave it at that as we uh, go off to uh, think about what uh, different episodes, podcast episodes, we are going to produce for the My Men Sub patrons in the launch of the new channel next week. It's going to be like that Disney launch, uh, the next slate of Marvel films, the next slate of Star Wars films, where there's about 20 different shows coming in. We'll do a big... Set the bar too high, David. We'll do a big social media launch with all the uh, the 20 new podcasts that we'll be creating. They're going to all be daily as well. So please do yeah. sign up as a Myomancer patron. Just so we can we... employ someone to edit them. <laughs> and also we can buy oxygen machines to keep us going. But uh, but no, seriously speaking, there will, will be a channel with uh, new nuggets, more uh, probably lighthearted affairs. Uh, we'll probably do some serious stuff as well. Right. Thank you very much for joining us and listening to us. Uh, do uh, subscribe on whatever podcast app you're on and uh, spread the good word especially on like apple or or spotify if you're on apple if you if you have the time to leave us a review that would be fantastic as well but uh, it's good to subscribe just so you then or follow or whatever they call it nowadays just so you get the uh, notifications when the new shows drop because in these covid times with potential postponements and uh, fixture changes it's very very hard to do a regular set date so it probably helps if you do subscribe right thank you very much for joining us Uh, until next time it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them goodbye goodbye Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.